Welcome to episode 20 of Dirt Stories. I'm Becca Grebe, and in today's episode, we are talking about the rise of outdoor living spaces. Backyards and patios have become a way of life, whether it's an increased desire to spend time outside or a deeper yearning to feel connected to the outdoors, the concept of outdoor living spaces has started to transform how we think and talk about landscaping. Today, we're talking with Keith from Ardron Landscapes about this growing trend in the industry. We're excited to dive in with him and find out more about how he grew into his business and what the trends of outdoor living spaces represents to our connection to nature. Let's jump in. I'm really excited to hear from you. We're chatting in today's episode about uh, landscaping and we're talking about the rise of the outdoor living space. And we thought you'd be the perfect person to connect with about this topic. So thanks for joining us. Well, I'm flattered you even thought of me. uh, I've definitely seen changes over the years uh, with our landscaping uh, practice, but uh, yeah, thanks for contacting us. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in a little bit. So let's kick things off. I want to start off by hearing a little bit about you, how you got into the industry, um, why landscaping? Well, that's uh, always a long story, but I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. Um, <laughs> I, I, I started back, uh, I guess, with the Fisher Price bubble lawnmower uh, and then went to uh, upgraded to a real push mower when I was 12. Um, started mowing uh, some of our neighbors' lawns and just basically progressed up from there. Uh, I think it's a pretty standard story in the industry, uh, getting more and more clients until uh, the end of high school. I was faced with the uh, the choice of what to do next, and I knew I liked working out so outdoors and really enjoyed the green industry. And I uh, kind of went to the guidance counselor and asked what my best path would be. And uh, with filling out the form uh, that they had. It was kind of a questionnaire, and I think what it landed on as a career choice for me was either a garbage man, uh, a barge driver, but landscaping wasn't even mentioned. So I uh, I decided to ignore the guidance counselor, and I enrolled in Fanshawe College, got a degree in landscape design there, uh, and then went on to the University of Guelph for landscape architecture, and the rest is uh, kind of history. I love it. Being a rebel. I'm not going to take your advice. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to be a garbage man or a barge driver. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you end up at Fanshawe and what was, what were you learning in the program? Uh, basically Fanshawe was, uh, it was pretty highly regarded in the industry from my research. Um, it seemed like they had some really good professors there. Uh, and just uh, the program was the, probably the best interest uh best of interest to me um it seemed to be more design centered than some of the other offerings uh even closer to home mm-hmm. uh so yeah i was uh i would do not regret that choice for a second uh, the professors there were phenomenal and uh met some great people and uh, i think it's all who you know in this industry as much as what you know yeah absolutely so so you started your own business. Tell me about the transition and what that looked like from leaving Fanshawe College to saying, I'm going to start my own business. Let's do this. 
Well, there's definitely a few steps in between. Um, I had the fortune of working for some great companies along the way, uh, gaining experience and learning hard lessons, unfortunately, on someone else's dime, or fortunately on someone else's dime. Uh, so it was great training for finally going out on my own. Um, and then I guess uh, it's almost seven years ago now, I decided to uh, get out of uh, managing a larger company or a division of a company in, in Ottawa. Uh, we had two young kids at the time and plowing snow and long, long hours commuting to Ottawa and back. It's uh, about a 45 minute drive from where we live now. And it just got to be a bit much for, uh, for our family. Uh, so I decided to take the plunge on my own and uh, haven't really looked back. It's been, uh, been quite the ride. Nice. Good for you. What are some of those, those hard lessons? Any you can share? <laughs> uh, well, I, I definitely knew from that experience that I didn't want to get into snow removal. <laughs> so uh, that's been something I've, I've held fast on uh, ever since. And uh, I do not regret that even for a yeah. second. We uh, were able to take a nice family vacation uh, with the kids now every winter. And nice. I think that helps bring that balance back to uh, what can be uh, a difficult career to balance work life with. Totally. I have so much respect for people that work in snow removal up. In oh, absolutely. The early morning hours working all morning just so everybody else can get to work when they get up. It's, it's a grueling job for sure. Oh, 100%. I, I completely respect anyone that can do that for a, for a living. It's just, uh, I knew it wasn't in the cards for me if I wanted to, uh, stay sane and uh, keep my family together. <laughs> yep. No, that makes sense. So you founded your business. What types of projects do you work on primarily? Uh, we are primarily design build uh, in the residential market. So we do a lot for, I would say, medium to high-end uh, residential consumers. Mm -hmm. um, so we do a lot of outdoor living spaces. Um, they're starting to get a lot more elaborate we find in the in the recent years i don't know if it's the uh the push from hdtv and pinterest and all that getting people's ideas up but uh they definitely are much more informed consumers and uh, that makes it a lot more fun on our end yeah i like that i'm curious i was diving uh, i was poking around your website and i was diving into your youtube channel and you have some interesting <laughs> videos where it almost looks like a mock-up of what someone's backyard is going to look like and it kind of walks walks you through the experience of what I what uh, a customer of yours would be getting is that something that you set up for your clients to help them see what the final result will look like absolutely yeah we've uh, we've transitioned we used to do everything on pen and paper uh, hand-drawn then we progressed to uh, CAD now this has been our latest uh, transformation as we've gone to full 3D uh, rendering and the, uh, the sales process has just been revolutionized by it. Uh, we find there's so much less time spent explaining to the customer what it's gonna look like, what it's gonna feel like. They just get it. Um, mm -hmm. The rendering software that's out there now just makes the world a difference. Uh, we've got access to all kinds of uh, amazing tools for generating that. Uh, I know in our industry we have a tool called the U-Level that helps us get all the grades and map out the whole uh, whole site very quickly uh, using an iPad app. And then uh, we can 
bring that into our 3D drafting software, render the whole house, make it look exactly like the homeowner's home, and then add all of our landscape on top of that using photorealistic renderings of all of our manufacturer's product, natural stone, landscape lighting, all the plant material. So it just, it takes all the guesswork out of it for both us and the client. Yeah. Everything's to scale, everything looks just like it's gonna look like. I love that. I think it's, as someone, full disclosure, who has not done anything with her backyard yet, but <laughs> an avid Pinterester, I find it really interesting how you, you're talking about consumers being informed, but also the ideas that people have now. And it's kind of your job, correct me if I'm wrong, to kind of set the expectation as well for what, yes, this is, you know, this Pinterest worthy, whatever, we can do that. Or, you know, this might be a little bit out of your budget, even maybe this is what we could do instead. And I'm sure those videos really help with that. Absolutely. No, the, uh, the Pinterest can be a double-edged sword. Um, you can certainly set the bar uh, both high and low. Sometimes I find it's, uh, it might be a photo of something that's built really hastily, and if you try to recreate it, uh, it'll look good for one picture, but then I think about a year later, everything would fall apart. Uh, so there's that side of it, but then there's also the, uh, the budget side, like you mentioned, where you know the, uh, the Rolls-Royce uh, preference with the Honda Civic budget. So. Yep. Definitely. We try to try to rein that in and keep it in the real reality uh, area, but no, they're they're definitely. I think a lot of times by the time we get them out yeah, as a customer, they've either had a previous landscape or uh, some experience with landscape design and construction in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, so that helps a bit. Now we are getting more millennial uh, aged people as well, that are uh, first time home homeowners that are. Uh, delving into this for the first time. Um, but I find they do a lot of their homework online before even contacting us. So that, that really helps too. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to have, um, to have you to walk first time homeowners through as well. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, I do take that very seriously. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of trust put in us as a contractor and uh, we really, I mean, especially working in a small community like we do, uh, trust is everything. And uh, as soon as you get a bad name in a small community, you're you're done. So yeah, definitely. Uh, we go yeah we go above and beyond for our customers to make sure they're ecstatic and uh, raving about us uh, both online and in person uh, yeah. when the neighbors come over to enjoy the new landscape. That's great. I want to chat a little bit about the industry. So. You've been sure. in the industry for a while. What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in your career in terms of landscape trends? What's popular, what's not popular? What have you seen? Sure, no, uh, I mean, the biggest transition I've seen is uh, I think probably the boldness of colors and design. Um, we've seen a lot of a push. I think the manufacturers answering the, answering the uh, consumers requirements for brighter colors, bolder uh, blacks, um, more interest in the pavers, as well as uh, more durable products. Like the, uh, the technology that's gone into the average interlocking stone is just, it's unbelievable now. Um, like we primarily work with Unilock products. Uh, I've worked with them for almost, I'm gonna say close to 20 years now. And 
they've just they've always seemed to be le leading the charge as far as uh, manufacturing technology, surface mix. Uh, now they even have some of the best uh, glazing technology uh, on some of their high-end stones. And what that means for our consumer is again that long-lasting, high-quality product is going to look amazing for 20 plus years, where you know any of the more standard older style pavers are going to look aged and dated within five. Mm -hmm. So it just uh, that's really revolutionized it, uh, as well as the the advent of uh, the outdoor kitchen. I think becoming more the norm. Um, we find people are very willing to spend tens of thousands of dollars on uh, that outdoor room um, that's more of an extension of their home. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that interesting yeah, so, space. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, and I mean, especially with COVID right now, we've seen uh, an even bigger want for that. I think when the, the kids are home and need that little bit of breathing room, it's it's always nice to have somewhere to send them or somewhere to go yourself and just relax in nature. So. Yeah, for sure. Do you find that the outdoor kitchen is one of the most popular trends people are asking for now, Ben? It's definitely on the uptake. I would say it's up there with uh, the interlock driveways have gone a long way too. Um, we're seeing more interest in, uh, in that, uh, just mm -hmm. as the durability. Uh, we even offer now permeable pavement for that. Uh, so a lot of municipalities are pushing that from that end. Um, so the, the technology is really progressing on, uh, on that too. Yeah. Speaking of technology, I want to go back to Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, the trend that I'm seeing all the time is green roofs and walls and these living spaces. Um, and it seems like they're just kind of becoming popular now, but they've been around for a long time. Besides looking cool, is there an actual function of green walls in living spaces? Oh, 100%. Um, they're probably the first line of defense on a lot of fronts uh, that are affecting the, today's cities. Um, both the, uh, the stormwater management side and the heat island. Um, so the heat island is that natural phenomenon that happens when you pave everything and paint it black the black tar roofs and uh, black asphalt, right. it gets, gets kind of warm. So the, uh, the green roofs are uh, the first line of defense against cooling that down. Um, they also provide, uh, probably the second biggest part would be the stormwater uh, management. So the, any rain that falls in a city, if it hits a hard surface, it's immediately rushed to a storm drain, which then gets rushed into the, uh, the treatment facilities. But the, uh, the older cities have only one pipe for both the sanitary sewer uh, as well as the stormwater. Um, in those types of cities, like downtown Toronto, Montreal, um, that's a big issue, even Ottawa too. Uh, the amount of time in a big rain event, if you can buy a few minutes or even hours for the treatment facility to treat that stormwater runoff, uh, it just it stops them from having to do an emergency dump into the Lake Ontario or uh, into uh, the local rivers. Right. So it, it has a, a really big impact on that. Uh, it just holds the water on the roof and gives it time to uh, absorb that. 
And a lot of it doesn't even end up going down the drain at all because the plants will use it. Yeah, that's um, massive. So why aren't more people doing these green walls and, and, and roofs then? Uh, it's, it's essentially the, uh, the cost is the biggest issue. Um, okay. We have, it's often the, the first item cut on a, uh, a lead. So the leadership in environmental, I can't remember the technique, and design. Um, so on lead buildings, it's one of the first uh, items that's often cut because it's an easy, easy thing to, to save money on, but it's also the last thing built. Um, so it's, it's definitely the, uh, the dollars and cents of it that sometimes impacts the project. But I think with cities like Toronto and Chicago and New York putting uh, large subsidies in to help with those projects, it really has got a lot more built. Right. Yeah. I was in New York City um, this time last year and there was a ton of green living spaces popping up and based off of what you said now it is it is to support those those big cities as well that's really interesting beyond looking awesome it's cool to know that they actually serve a purpose too and people need to be aware of that oh absolutely no it's uh, I think it's the probably the coolest way to accomplish those goals because I mean the other option is like are these large uh, tunnels under the streets and I think it'd be so much neater to have all these uh, the same amount of sequestration happen on rooftops when you get the aesthetic benefits mm -hmm. as well as the, uh, the habitat production uh, even the cleaning of the air too because it'll uh, it'll take a lot of fine particulate matter out of the the air yes uh, so it's, it's just pretty well winning all around <laughs> Winning all around. It makes me want to do that at my house now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm still uh, I'm eyeing a couple roofs at my house too. Nice. So today's episode is all about outdoor living spaces. So I want to dive into that a little bit more detail. Sure. The tagline on your website says um, your goal is to reconnect with each other and the outdoors. What does that mean to you? Um, and do you think it reflects our desire as humans to just be more connected in general? Yeah, no, that, thanks for uh, picking up on that. That's, that is our, uh, our mission statement and our, our why at our company. We, uh, we put a lot of thought into that, and it just, it's kind of been our guiding principle to, uh, to help with that journey. When you look around and you see kind of the fragmentation of the family, when people get home immediately on devices and uh, you know, not communicating with each other, mm -hmm. and then not also spending time in the outdoor environment, because when you buy a new house now, you get a, essentially a cardboard box with a uh, fenced-in backyard full of sod. They're not inviting to, uh, to go spend time in what little nature is out there. So our, our main mission has been to connect those family elements with the outdoors. And uh, I think it's, well, I believe it's fairly noble to, uh, Absolutely. to try to do that. Because uh, I think some of the biggest problems we have in society are caused by the lack of both of those. Yep, I agree completely. I think it's amazing that as a business, your goal really is to create those spaces for connection because we're losing, we're losing that so much, as you mentioned. And I think especially with COVID now, it, like you said before, you know, the outdoor kitchen, people, families are looking for extra space and opportunities to connect and, and maybe get a little distance, which is okay too. And having exactly. that connection in there, it's, it's important. I think we're, we're becoming extremely more extremely disconnected as we move forward so that's that's great I'm glad you guys are, are doing that and that's part of your mission statement I think that's great so because of this you must have a pretty unique uh, view on the relationship between people people and nature have you noticed 
this change or evolve over your career? Um, I have. I mean, it's. I'd like to. I'd like to think we're we're being more uh, cognizant of uh, of nature in our daily lives. I, I see a lot more of a push from our clients to integrate native plants and uh, habitat because uh, they want to see the uh, the birds, the butterflies, uh, those those things in their garden. Uh, and not only is it entertaining, but it's also uh, helping the the planet around it. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I, I've seen a bit of a push that way. Um, hopefully also helped by the fact that the uh, people are wanting more of a, a longer lasting product as well. So it doesn't have to be replaced as frequently. Right. That helps on that end. Uh, and just the, uh, they, they are, I think, more cognizant of uh, the inputs of what goes into the landscape too. I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. Do you find that people with outdoor living spaces specifically, are people asking for them because they want that extra kitchen or extra living room or is it coming are people coming from that green environmentally friendly perspective where they they want cleaner air they want you know to help with waste and that sort of thing and do you find that there's a balance there or are we still pretty far away from that that need for for green uh eco-friendly I, I still think it's it's fairly uh, motivated by the want for the extra living space over the, the habitat. I think the habitat is is a footnote. Um, I'm glad it's there, but it's uh, it's definitely uh, not the driving point to, uh, especially when people are spending tens of thousands of dollars, they, they generally want to have something for them to enjoy uh, with their family. So mm -hmm. it's... Uh, it does still uh, rotate around that, um, right. which I mean, does make sense. So I mean, part of our job is to try to sneak in as many green elements as we can, whether it's forest paving or, uh, you know, choosing the native species and habitat producing plants. Mm -hmm. So in the construction industry, we see, or we're starting to see more of a push for green construction practices. So whether that's, um, you know, electric equipment, or it's just reducing waste in general on a job site, maybe using recyclable materials. What are the biggest pushes that you would advocate for in the landscaping industry? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely seeing the move towards the uh, electrification of, uh, of tools and equipment. Um, I can't, personally, I can't wait until uh, one of these companies actually releases one of these larger uh, electric trucks. It's still, uh, Still not a possibility for a smaller company like ourselves, but uh, as they get more and more common, uh, the price will be more within reach for us. I'm also really excited to see so many electric uh, mini excavators and excavators being used or starting to come on the market. The biggest difference I've noticed though is just the client choosing the electric tools almost, I'm going to say 75% of the time over the gas powered ones when it's, uh, when it's option. When we open to people's garages, we're seeing the electric trimmer, we're seeing the, the electric battery powered push mowers and things like that. So it really, uh, really has an impact on, uh, on the, that side of it, I would say. Mm -hmm. Are there any, <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing you with your Fisher Price mower now as I ask this question. <laughs> Bubbles any... coming up the side too, right? <laughs> Let's talk about landscape trends. I want to go back to the Fisher Price days. Okay. Were there any landscape trends that you were really excited about when you were younger 
that have either maybe become really popular or you think back now, what the heck was I thinking about? I'm always super curious. Uh, that's a good question. Um, one of the properties I used to work on when I was younger had this amazing dry stacked stone wall. And uh, I always thought that was the coolest thing because uh, it was just covered up in vines and we, we pulled off all these vines that were covering it and exposed this beautiful wall running up the whole length of their driveway. Um, and I, uh, I found that to be uh, really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was fortunate enough to uh, be exposed to a little bit of dry stack stonewalling training um, through one of the companies I used to work for. Um, and that was uh, nice. certainly beneficial. So we, we've integrated that into some of our projects since then, for sure. Very cool. Are there any trends now? Selfishly, I'm asking, I ha- have to do something with my backyard. Maybe you can give me a tip. Any trends yeah. coming up that you're like, 2021, this is going to be the landscape trend? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say, well, I'm definitely seeing the move more towards the, the modern, modern sleek lines. So that's, that's always a, a, a good possibility for, uh, for your backyard. The other one that's, I mean, you can never go wrong with natural stone. Natural stone is just, it's always been tasteful. It's always been uh, the classic option. So, uh, no, I would, I would recommend either one of those paths for you, I think. Uh, and you can't really go wrong with either of them. Yeah, classic choices. Yeah. Is there a trend in the industry that you just don't understand? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually the it does kind of relate to the the previous question because it's um one of the the things that that i always respected in uh, in landscape designers was just the uh the ability to reinvent yourself to the client's needs um so i think probably the the trend that i'm most concerned about is just the the influence of in instagram and facebook and all of these on uh, the design process, just because the uh, that can sometimes bring more ego or more less listening to the client into the uh, the equation, mm-hmm. and I, I really feel like that is our number one job as a designer is to uh, to listen to the client and uh, deliver what is right for them, not right for us. Right, I find those tools fascinating when you think about Instagram and Pinterest because it would be so easy for me to take a photo and say to you, hey can you recreate this? But there's so much more that goes into it. Aside from budget, which we talked about earlier, it's not all, you know, it's not just that easy. And there's, there's a ton that goes into it on your end and having things like those videos we were talking about earlier will help to set those expectations for your clients too, which is great. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, you've hit the nail right on the head there. The, uh, sometimes it's as simple as, you know, the photo they're looking at is in uh, New Mexico or somewhere not even close to the right zone. Uh, so we have to look at it and then change the uh, the plant material to look similar or the style to look similar, mm-hmm. but then uh, to use uh, stuff that's going to be hardy and grow in our environment. Right. So what are you working on these days? What's one project that you're super excited about? Oh, there's, there's so many. Uh, we've got Right now, I mean, we're working on a rear yard uh, near the nation's capital, Ottawa, and uh, it's uh, just a nice backyard project with a patio and uh, pergola. Um, 
planting. Again, vegetable garden has been integrated into that. That was a trend I forgot to mention earlier. I'm nice. seeing a lot more edible plants getting uh, specked into our jobs. Yeah, I love that, especially with COVID now too. I wonder if that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Happening. Yeah, backyard chicken coops and uh, and edible <laughs> uh, edible plants are a big trend that's coming in now. Interesting. Um, yeah, but the uh, we've got a, another project coming up where the client asks us to build a labyrinth. So uh, that's uh, that's not your everyday project. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. What do you think the next big thing in landscaping will be? The next big thing. Ooh, I'll have to get my crystal ball out. <laughs> um, it's, I think, the way we're progressing, uh, the, the build quality just in, keeps improving. Um, so I think a longer lasting uh, landscape, like the, the warranties keep getting longer from the, the contractors. Um, so the homeowner's uh, confidence is, is improving all the time. Um, and then the uh, the elaborate, uh, I think it just keeps getting more elaborate currently. Unless we hit another massive recession, uh, I don't see that slowing down. Um, people keep being inspired by other people's work and getting ideas from the internet uh, that keep influencing their decisions. And I think it's uh, it's a great way to uh, to keep going there. And especially if we can integrate more of the environmentally friendly. Uh, Green walls and living living uh, uh, roofs into the equation as well. Nice. Is there anything about the landscape industry that you wish people knew? Absolutely. I I think the biggest thing for me uh, coming up the way I did, being told to be a garbage man and a, a barge driver, I think it needs to be looked at as a more of a career, um, not just a suntan and a summer job for somebody in college. Um, it's, we have such a labor shortage in our industry that, uh, I think goes back to parents, the expectations of, you know, if your kid comes home and says they're going to be a landscaper, you're like, oh, great, this will be good for one summer. Whereas it, it should really be nurtured and, uh, looked at as a, a great career choice. Cause when I look around at a lot of the, uh, the people in the industry, I see some pretty, uh, amazing business people and, uh, doing very well for themselves, their community and their families. So. I, I really think uh, that needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Where can our listeners that are interested in getting into the industry go to learn more? Do you recommend any online resources or, you know, you were, you went to a guidance counselor and kind of found your own, <laughs> where, where can people go to learn more if they want to get into landscaping? It has gotten so much more accessible uh, with the, uh, the YouTube, uh, podcasts like this one i mean there's so many resources that are available for absolutely no money and uh, i think they're so valuable uh instagram there's some amazing contractors on there to check out uh there's you know small uh fees for courses that you can you can get uh, and just watch on your own to learn how to build things properly as well as even just the manufacturers themselves and most of them have these huge uh, events every year teaching and training uh, future contractors and current contractors uh, to keep us in the, the latest information it uh, it just it's been never been easier to get into it uh, but I mean there's always the college route uh, the University of Guelph uh, I know there's a number of great universities in 
the U.S. as well, but uh, there's uh, so many so many ways to get into it, and it's just even if it's working with somebody else and apprenticing, uh, that's a great way to uh, to gain experience and further your own education. Nice. In the spirit of talking about outdoor living spaces, we're saying if you know a lot of the times cuts are made, whether it's because of budgets or whatever that may be, if there was one um, sustainable trend related to outdoor living spaces that you would encourage people to take on, what would that be? I, I'm excited about the uh, choosing one. I would say the permeable paving. Um, I know with these hotter, drier summers we keep seeing, uh, it seems to be that we're always on some sort of a water uh, restriction if you're on wells or cities as well. And I think if we can recharge the aquifers and uh, and rivers whenever possible uh, with filtered water, uh, which if it goes through the uh, the ground, it's going to be much better. Um, so I think that that trend is definitely on the rise and uh, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I think it'll uh, it'll have a big impact on the if you figure everyone's driveway and patio, how much square footage that is, that can uh, make a big difference as far as holding and, and filtering stormwater. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think it's important for people to know where to start too, because it's probably, I know for me, it's extremely overwhelming when you think about sustainable practices and green living, like where do you start? So that's a great tip for our listeners to take away. Oh, thanks. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with before we sign off? Um, at this, I would say just to, uh, again, to, uh, to try to get into the industry, um, like it just, it's such a fun career. Uh, one of the things that drew me to it was the fact that you didn't have to choose a career within landscaping. There's a million different areas you can, uh, specialize in. Uh, one day we're doing landscape lighting. The next we're doing a water feature. Another day we're doing stone masonry. Um, then we're planting it's just every day is different and uh it allows for a really fun uh career that allows you to still work close to home which is rare too mm-hmm. um so i mean work-life balance is, is possible in the industry uh, as much as we struggle with it i've got a fantastic family and uh, very uh very happy to have uh, a team of great people working with us too that are all uh, local to our business too Nice. Where can our listeners find you or your projects online on social media, maybe? Yeah, no, we're on, uh, on Instagram. If you search our drawn landscapes, uh, you can see some of our design walkthroughs on YouTube. Uh, if you search our drawn landscapes there as well. And our drawn is a R D R O N. Everybody forgets the second R, uh, as well as our website, our So awesome. those are the best. Awesome. We'll have to check that out and keep an eye on your, your projects and watch for those outdoor living spaces to, to emerge a little bit more often. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, been an honor. Thank you so much for joining us today, Keith. It was great chatting with you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Dirt Stories is produced by Dozer, the world's first e-commerce aggregate market for construction equipment rentals. Experience the Dozer difference today by searching for equipment at dozer.com. 
Join the Dirt Stories community by following us on Instagram at DozerHub. Tag us in your dirt story or reach out to us directly if you have a story to share. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I'm Becca Grebe. See you soon.